This is Dr. Max Schultz, pastor of the Heritage Baptist Bible Church in Walnut Grove, Minnesota. It is our privilege to be with you now for this half hour, and we hope that you have your Bibles out and you're ready to follow along, because that's the only way that we learn the Word of God is to give it out and you take it in. We'll be back in just a moment. you a very pointed question. And that question is, hypothetically, if you were to die, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you leave this earth? We ask that question when we give the invitation to church. We ask that question when we're visiting someone in the hospital. And we ask the same question if we would be into your home after all of the talking and it gets right down to, as one man says, where the rubber hits the road, where are you going to go when you die? Many times people will say, when you ask them that question, they'll say to you, well, you, you know, no one can know that at all. You, you really can't know that. And others will say, well, uh, if so-and-so is going to make it, I'm going to make it. Or, well, I'm trying the very best I can, and, uh, you know, I don't do too many things wrong. Well, let me say this to you honestly. If you have one reservation, if you have one doubt, if, if you're not for sure at all, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to make it. That's 100% honesty according to the Word of God because the Bible says, and we'd like for you, and that's why these messages are Bible-centered where you can look in the Bible. I don't want you to believe this pastor. I don't want you to believe a church. I don't want you to put your trust in the ideologies of men or their philosophies because theirs are no better than yours are. But when it comes to going to heaven, I want to go to the person who created the heavens. I want to go to the God who created us, you and I, a direct creation of God, and I want to find out what God has to say about leaving this earth and spending eternity with Him. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man comes unto the Father except through the Son. Now, in your Bibles, if you have them, and we hope that if you're at home listening, that you'll turn to your Bible and follow along with us in 1 John chapter 5, and verse 13. The Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, that you may know that you have eternal life. And the word know in the Greek means absolutely, positively, I have no reservations that when that heart gives its last beat, I'm going to be absent from the body and I'm going to be present with the Lord. Now, if you're trusting what God says to trust, you can have that assurance. You never have to doubt it. Even when you sin and let God down, you can never do anything to make God become unfaithful to His promise to you and to I who have eternal life. The point is, how do we know that for sure? Well, this verse says that you can know. I've written these things to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, that you may know that you have eternal life. Eternal life. So that life depends upon the promise and the faithfulness of God and His promises that He makes to you and to me. Now, let's go from here and let's begin to lay a basis here. And it is so simple, so easy to be understood. When God maps out His plan, He made it so simple 
that a child can understand it. Now, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and follow along with me now, if you will, and let's go over to the book of Romans in chapter 3 and verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. If you go to church, you've probably heard this verse quoted time after time, and yet sometimes we fail to realize the very simplicity of this verse and the power that it has in it, what it's really saying. Romans 3.23 is an indictment against every person ever born on the face of the earth. And it says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now the word all there I would circle in my Bible. That includes Mary, that includes Joseph, that includes every human being with the exception of one who walked on this earth, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the Lord tells us here that God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now we're going back to that verse a little bit later there and really apply it on what it's saying. Very simple. But right now we're over to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Another phrase in this verse here that's very important, and that is the glory of God. I would mark that, I would underline it, and I would put a little note out to the side of my Bible, the glory of God is the absolute perfection of God himself. So when God says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, he's saying that no man, no human being has ever attained the absolute perfection of God himself. Now with that in mind, go with me to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and we begin to find here that God says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, the wages of sin being death carries a twofold application. First of all, the wages of sin is death carries physical death. Every one of us die. We all try to live as long as we can live. We go to the doctors. We do everything possible to try to keep this old heart going and anything we can do to keep on living. But in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, we find out that God said our average life of a person is three score and ten. Ten, a score in the Bible is twenty-three of them, sixty plus ten is seventy. And if we live to be eighty, we ought to be eternally grateful because that's about the length of time that these bodies are made uh, to function. They begin to wear out and so forth. So the first one, the wages of sin is death, is physical death. When Adam sinned, he said, The day that thou sinnest, thou shalt surely die. The day that he sinned, death set in that body. He did not die that day, but death set in the body, and eventually Adam died. And then there is spiritual death. We find out death in the Bible means separation, uh, basically is what it means. Upon physical death, the soul and the spirit separate from the body. And then upon physical death, we find out it separates from the body. Upon spiritual death, we find out that we are separated from God for all time and eternity. So we have a double application here. The wages of sin is death. That's physical death. And it is also spiritual death. Death meaning basically separation. So we find out that because of our sin, we are going to be separated from God for all eternity. And since we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, the absolute perfection of God, then that means how in the world could I go to heaven? If I have to be as righteous as God, then that excludes the whole human race. Now, when I was a young man, a young boy, I was made to go to Sunday school and I was made to go to church, and I thank my mother for that. 
But she did not understand. She did not know the plan of salvation. She was like any other mother. Well, if my son's in Sunday school, well, then that's all right, and that's about the best I can do. And that's with her knowledge that she had. Uh, I'm grateful for that. But when I went to church, I would go to a church and go in, and I would hear this preaching, well, God loves good boys and he hates bad boys. Well, that wasn't such good news because I wasn't one of the good boys. I was one of the bad boys. And then, well, son, if you just do the best you can, you just try to keep the law and, and you know, try to work on your bad habits. You'll be all right. And then, of course, they want to baptize me and get me to go and join the church. Now, I'd leave that church, go to another church, and I'd hear the same thing again. And I'd tell that pastor, well, you know, when I was baptized in that church down there, he'd tell me, well, that didn't take. That, uh, that, that we have to re-baptize you because you wasn't baptized in our denomination and so on and so forth. I was baptized so many times, the frogs knew my social security number. Every time I go into church, plunk me down, take me up, and I often wondered, one of these times I go under, something ought to take. You know, something ought to stick. But every time that pastor wouldn't accept the other pastors, and that church wouldn't accept that church, and finally I, I decided to chuck the whole thing in, and I said, you know what, I've come to the conclusion, either the Bible's wrong, or we've got a whole big bunch of preachers out here that are contradictory one to another, and somebody's got it all fouled up, brother. And I made up my mind, that's the last time I'll ever go into a church again, and that's it for me. No more of this churchianity stuff. Somebody, they can't even agree. Then when I got married, I told my wife, I said, Honey, I said, I tell you, you can go to church, and I think you will be a nice lady. You go to church. I'll take you to church. You have a good time, and I'm not against that, but count me out, brother. That's it for me. And then one time there was a preacher that came down to our house, which I did not invite. I didn't want him there. I didn't want him anywhere around. I didn't want any preacher coming to my house. And he came, knocked on the door, and uh, I went to the door, and uh, he wondered if he could come in a minute, and I allowed him to come in only to be kind to my wife. I didn't want him there. He knew I didn't want him there. I didn't smile at him when he come. I didn't shake his hand when he come. And the only thing I would probably do is put my hand against his back and push him out the door. I wasn't interested in that at all because I was turned off at churches. But the sad thing about it was all the time I went to church, I never had somebody tell me the truth about how to get to heaven. He came in, he knew that I didn't want him there, and he made his visit very brief, but I'll say one thing for him. He's the first preacher I heard that had the intestinal fortitude to tell me the honest truth. And he said, Max, he said, you know something? He said, we've all sinned, and that includes me. Well, I never heard too many preachers say, well, I've sinned. You know, some of them walk around with the holier-than-thou attitude, but the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he said, do you know what? You can have eternal life, and Jesus Christ died for you, and you don't even have to come to our church to know you're going to heaven. I never heard anything like that before in my life. That was the first time that a preacher said, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I got thinking about that. He didn't stay very long, bowed in a word of prayer, and left. And uh, while they were praying, or he was praying, I sure wasn't praying, I got thinking, you know what? If that's all I have to do is accept God's payment for my sin, you know, you can't beat that. That's the best thing I'd ever heard. And anyway, right then I made up my mind. I said, dear Lord, something like this. I don't understand a lot of things about this thing. I am really confused, but I know one thing. If what he said is true, that you died for me, I got everything to gain and nothing to lose. And dear Lord, I'm going to believe it because, boy, if I die tomorrow, I don't want to miss out on heaven. And I'm going to believe it. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to start searching that Bible and find out if I find a contradiction in it, I'm throwing the whole thing away and burning it. That's it for me. I've had it. But I'll give you a chance, Lord. I'm going to search it. I'm going to hunt it and see if I can find a contradiction or anything. In the meantime, I'm not going to take a chance. 
you're the best thing I've heard of, and if you died for me, I'm going to believe it, because I don't want to take an, a risk when it's not necessary. But that captivated my mind, and that began to work on my consciousness that the first preacher that told me I could go to heaven and didn't have to go to church. Then I began, as the time went on, I began to study my Bible, and I did begin to go to church, not because I had to, not because it had anything to do with my eternal life, but the fact is that the Holy Spirit, when you trust the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God, and then you begin to do those things because you love what the Lord has done for you. I could not believe that Christ would die for me, a sinner. When I used to pick fights with Christians and knock the Bible out of their hands and make fun of them, and my whole vocabulary, about 75% of it, not totally, but was asking the Lord to damn this and to damn that and to do this. And how in the world anybody could love me when I made fun of the Lord, when when I made fun of those who claimed to be Christians, did everything I could to embarrass them and, and, uh, and put them down. And then how in the world could God love a sinner like me? And I'd always heard, well, God loves good boys, but boys sure don't like bad boys. And that excluded me because I sure wasn't one of the good boys. I'd like for you to follow now, if you will. In Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death. In Romans 6.23 and Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and follow with me now to a familiar verse that I memorized when I was going to Sunday school. I got little stars put up on the board there if you memorize this verse and that. I heard this verse, I memorized it, but I never, never knew what it meant. Never had somebody explain it. Now, you'll probably be familiar with you because if you go to church, you probably know it. But the fact is, do you really understand what it says? John 3.16, and we're going through this this morning, just like we would do if we were going to lead somebody to Christ, this is the verse that we probably spend about 90% of the time on. Here we go, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Now, the world includes how many? How many is the world? Isn't that everybody? That includes everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And who is his son? The Lord Jesus Christ. He gave him. What did he give him to do? Now, when he says he gave his son, the Lord Jesus, what do you mean? Jesus Christ came from heaven. He came to this earth. He clothed himself in human flesh in order to go to the cross to give his life to pay for my sin. Let me illustrate that if I can. Say I go out here and I run a stop sign and the policeman is there and he sees me and he cites me to court and I go to court and the judge says, how do you plead? I say, I plead guilty because I did run that stop sign. And he says, well, the fine's $50. Well, I have to pay the fine. But say you and I are old school buddies and you come up there and you hear I got arrested and you're loaded, you got the money, and you come up and you plop a $50 bill down on the counter and you say, judge, I'd like to pay the penalty for this man, uh, what he done. Just as I don't care who pays the penalty, but the penalty and the fine has to be paid. So I have a choice. Now notice if you will. You're up there. You gave the $50. It's there. But it's not appropriated unless I take it. Now let's read the next line here. God loved the world, gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth or whosoever accepteth him or trust in him or receive him. All these words are synonymous to the same thing. I am a receiving what Jesus Christ did for me. Now, that $50 is laid on there. You laid it up there. You want to pay my penalty. You want to pay my fine. I have a choice. I can say, hey, boy, I'm tickled to death. Judge, take that $50. I'll accept it and mark me paid. Or I can say, 
Take that 50 bucks, put it in your pocket, and peddle your papers. I don't want it. Do you know what? When God said he loved the world and gave his only begotten son, you have a choice. You can accept it by faith, trusting that God is telling you the truth, that Jesus Christ was here, he died on the cross, he rose again the third day, and if you believe it, God says, I'm going to tell you what will never happen to you. Now let's read the next two lines. And God, if you believe that Christ died for you, you listening now, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? Then I look down here and let's see two promises that God made. He says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And that's another terminology for you should not spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. In the Hebrew, it's Sheol. In the Greek, it's Hades. And in the English, it's translated hell. But would have everlasting life. So I have two promises. God said, if you'll accept the payment for your sin, my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all there is to it. Folks, I don't care how you slice it or how you cut it or what you do with it. Believing is it. That's all. That's it. That's accepting God's payment. You cannot add one thing to it whatsoever. When he said on the cross, it is finished, that is telestii, that means it is absolutely completed. You and I can add absolutely nothing to it whatsoever. Now, with that in mind, if I accept Christ, I go back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, and God assures us, I've written these things to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, word in the Greek, absolutely positively know that you have eternal life. Now, with that in mind, go with me now because we have two groups of religious people in the world today. You can put them, I don't care whether it is a Baptist, a Lutheran, a Presbyterian, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, whatever it is, you can put the people on one side or the other. You have a group over here, they go on one side, there is no in-between. They're trying to go to heaven by the good works, or you have the other group, that is going to heaven, not by their good works, in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which I've done, but according to his mercy has he saved me. Now, we go over here to the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, if you will, in verse 8 and 9. Many of you know this verse, and yet we look at it here, and it is so simple and so clear that your good works was nothing to do with you ever going to heaven. In fact, let me say this. And this is one of the things that's done to confuse the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus plus nothing. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Now, we get into churches. We get all this kind of rhetoric, and we get all of this terminology that's interposed in with it here, and pretty soon the whole message is confused. We go into a church on Sunday morning. We hear a message about uh, uh, saved by grace through faith. Just as I am, we sing the old uh, hymnal, just as I am. And then when we come down to inviting people to trust Christ, we make it a condition. Hey, you can't be saved unless you get out of your seat and come forward. You've got to come down to the front of the church. And I'm saying, where do they go if they're at home? If we were in the fellow's home or in the lady's home, what is the message we would tell them to lead them to Christ? It is that we're a sinner. Do we recognize that? If you're not a sinner, you don't need a Savior. And if we're a sinner, then Jesus Christ died. It's free. It's a gift. Romans chapter 5, five times it says, it's a gift. It's a free gift. Cost absolutely nothing for you and I. It cost Christ everything. He gave his life to save ours. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 pins it right down, and I'd like for you to follow with me, if you will. <clears throat> for by grace are you saved through faith. Now, the word grace means 
giving us something that we do not deserve. Mercy is the opposite. Mercy is withholding what we do deserve. We deserve to pay for our own sin. God, by His mercy, is withholding that, and He sent Christ to do it for us. Grace is God giving us that God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's grace, giving us what we do not deserve. And then we find out we're saved. Even using the term saved, I don't even use it hardly anymore because it's been so construed by religious people. It has a different definition depending upon what denomination you go to or, or what sect or group or cult you get involved with. They've all coined the word saved. You go into one church, and saved to them means you're jumping up out of the pews, hopping all over the place, spinning around, flopping on the floor, and everything else. And to them, that's being saved. You go into another church, you'll find something a little different. Then you'll get what saved really means is that once you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you're saved from having to pay for your own sin and be separated from God for all eternity. So by grace are we saved through faith. Faith Trust, believing, all are used interchangeably. They're all synonymous to the same thing. I'm accepting by faith, and I have no reservations, that Jesus Christ died to pay for my sins. Remember, God said, whosoever believeth in him, or whosoever has faith in him, or whosoever trusts him, all use synonymous. doesn't make any difference what word it is. They all mean the same. I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my only hope for salvation. Dear Lord, thank you for sending your son to pay for my sin. Here I come, as the late Dr. M. R. D. Hahn used to say, nothing with my hands I bring, just simply to the cross I cling. And how true that is. And it's not of yourselves. Look at that, if you will, in Ephesians 2.8. It is the gift of God. See, if I give you a gift, there, there, there's nothing for it. I bought it. I paid for it. I love you so much, I want to give it to you. That's how much God loved the world. Now we come on down to verse 9. Not of works least any man should boast. Do you know what? On the one side where you have people trying to work their way to heaven, trusting in the good works, you'll always find a little boastfulness there. Well, look what I give to the church. Look here. Look. Put my name up on the back of the here. I give so many hundred dollars here toward this project here. Or I give a thousand dollars for a new organ. Or the new carpeting we have in the church. They love to brag. And they love to have the admiration of men to pat them on the back for how self-righteous they are. God says, I'll have nothing to do with that, and let me say this to you. If you're trusting in anything whatsoever that you do, you are not even a candidate for eternal life. You're clear to the end of the line, partner. You're not even a candidate. Only do you become a candidate when you accept God's evaluation and, and His estimation, not estimation, but conclusion, that you and I are a sinner. Because I'm a pastor, I'm a sinner. That doesn't exempt me because I'm a pastor. Because a man is a rabbi or a priest, they're all sinners. Everyone, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now notice here again in verse 9, not of works, least any man should boast. And the one thing about it, when you trust Jesus Christ plus nothing, you're not trying to use your own works as leverage to God to give you eternal life, make him give you eternal life, because look what I've done. I'll never forget one time, a few years ago, we went to a lady's house. She lived in a trailer park. And one of the men, one of the deacons in our church, had asked me to go visit with her and her husband. And they were probably 66, 67 years old, something in that area anyway. I don't remember just exactly how old. And her husband, Dick, was not there. And uh, 
I went in and sat down, and she was really one of the sweetest ladies you'd ever want to meet. And amazing thing, we got talking a little bit, and I asked her the question that we started out the broadcast with here. And I asked her, I said, Lillian, I said, if you were to die right now, do you know for sure you're going to heaven without one doubt? And she came out and she said, you know, I sure hope so. Well, that's a pretty good sign that you're not saved. Because you see in the Bible, it's yay, yay, nay, nay. It's not I hope so. God doesn't give a, a, a half a salvation. He doesn't give a mutilated salvation. He gives a completed salvation, and he gives it on one condition only, and that is you'll take it for nothing as a free gift and thank God for it. And I went on, and I showed her Ephesians 2, 8, 9, the verse we're on right here. And she says, I don't believe it. Big tears begin to come down her down her eyes, and her chin began to quiver, and, and you could see she was heartbroken. And I said, Lillian, I said, what, uh, what, uh, what's the matter? I said, don't you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? Oh, she says, I believe it. She said, I've never seen that verse. She said, you know what? She says, I do. She says, I, I see it. It's not a works. And she was really excited, and yet the tears were coming down. I said, well, why are you crying? I thought she was crying because she was just joyful. And I think it was a mixture of two things. But she said something very interesting to me. I'll never forget it. She said, Pastor, she said, I want to tell you something. I've taught Sunday school for years upon years, and I sent every one of them children to hell and told them how to go to, tried to tell them how to go to heaven by being good. And this verse says you'll never go to heaven by just having good works. She said, all those years I taught she said, I told him, just, just try to be good. Try to live for God. And she said, that doesn't do it, does it? And I said, no, Lillian, it doesn't. And she was heartbroken. She said, oh, she said, what, what about all those kids? And it really, really broke her heart. But the important thing is, more than anything else, and I want to ask you again, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? Now, if you're trusting Jesus Christ, and you're not trusting anything you do yourself, then you can say and rest and have the peace of God that passeth all understanding, and you can rest upon 1 John 5.13. These things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know absolutely for sure, positively, no reservations, because it depends upon God's faithfulness and not yours. Because it is true after we're saved, after we put our trust in Jesus Christ, there's not a Christian that never sins after they're saved. We all do. But then we're going to cover that in the coming messages. How does God deal? How do we get in fellowship? And how does God deal with that sin? What happens to it? Can you lose your salvation? Absolutely not. You may want to if you get out of fellowship. When God deals with you, you may wish you wasn't saved. But no, your unfaithfulness will never make God become unfaithful to His promise that you will never perish but have everlasting life. If you're listening today and you do not know that you have eternal life, you're not absolutely sure that you're going to heaven when you die, then here's how simple that it is. God has concluded we all have sinned, that you and I. God has also said that he loves the sinner. And we find out in Romans 5.8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then in John 3.16, God loved the world. He loves you. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him would never perish but have everlasting life. If you realize you're a sinner and Christ is a wonderful Savior and He died on that cross to save you from spending eternity in hell, 
so you could have a home in heaven with him. He bought your right to live with him for all time and eternity. All he asked you to do is believe the record God gave of his son, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shall be saved. Well, we hope that you'll take time to write us. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area of Wanna Grove, we'd love to have you come to church. Our morning worship service begins at 10, from 10 to 11. Love to invite you to our services. Our mailing address is the Heritage Radio Bible Class, Post Office Box 573, Wanna Grove, Minnesota, and our zip code is 56180. Remember our website again. It is www.heritagebbc.com. Until next week at the same time, may the Lord bless you as we ever pray, even so come, Lord Jesus.